Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hello, hello. Welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 63, all about gamification and higher education and student affairs. We have two excellent guests this week, Stacy Jacob and Dave Eng. Stacy is an assistant professor of student affairs at Slippery Rock University, and Dave is director of student activities and the student center at St. Thomas Aquinas College. Uh, both of them were very gracious with their time to talk about this intriguing and uh, new different concept about how to uh, increase student engagement uh, in doing all sorts of things. And uh, Stacy and Dave kind of have different angles on this. Stacy obviously is a professor. She incorporates gamification into her coursework with her grad students uh, that are studying student affairs. And Dave incorporates it into his student activity works to get students out to uh, programs and engages students in uh, some of the courses he actually, I think he teaches some of the leadership programs and stuff like that. So uh, a lot of great resources, a really cool concept that I want to make sure we talked about. And uh, also just as sort of a uh, little asterisk on this one, this is one we had on the shelf for a little while. Uh, I was just kind of editing it together and putting it together, and it's a, a great evergreen concept, so I was just kind of holding on to it when we just needed to uh, get an episode out, so um, you know, it doesn't dilute the value of it. I, I, it's good stuff. I know you will get something really good out of it, um, and I'm really glad to get it out into the world, and I uh, just really appreciate Stacy and Dave uh, taking time out to uh, talk about this and uh, share their wisdom and experience. So um, I'm also going to do a little uh, intermission segue uh, when we uh, finish up with Stacy. Stacy will be first and then Dave. So listen through to the entirety, uh, hear it all out, connect with it, engage with it, um, check out everything in the show notes and uh, connect with the two awesome people here to keep the conversation going. So uh, without further ado, this is episode number 63 about gamification and higher education and student affairs with Stacy Jacob and Dave Eng. Before we get into this episode, I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, the National Center for Student Life, which hosts the National Conference on Student Leadership coming up this fall from November 19th to the 22nd in Washington, D.C., since 1978, NCSL has trained thousands of students and advisors in heart-centered, values-based leadership skills designed to help drive transformative change within the individual and on campus. I've spoken personally at NCSL for the past five years, and I've seen firsthand how the NCSL conference helps students and advisors apply learning to address the real challenges that are, they're facing on their campus and in their community through this thing they call the NCSL Call to Action Program. NCSL really, it brings together the country's best leadership presenters into one place to give both the students and the advisors this, this, it's, this, this life-changing experience. And I've always been blown away at the level of value received from their conferences. And in addition to hearing from these amazing top-notch presenters, students also learn from each other in this student forum on civic engagement. And I should note, NCSL is the first student leadership conference to offer students the opportunity to earn a digital badge to document their leadership development. 
So if you're looking for a student leadership conference to attend, I highly recommend checking out NCSL at nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. That's nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. With that, let's get going and get this show on the road. Yeah, we definitely, I definitely had, we were interviewing all our RA candidates right before I left. So it was very like kind of hectic right up until I left. And then it was just like, I just like went to bed like super early that first night when I got into Tampa because I was just like so tired and I had to travel and everything. And it was just, I was pooped, but. Isn't it funny how like you work, like you go to do this stuff and it's exciting and invigorating and you get to see all these great people and learn professionally, but it just, it about kills you to leave and it about kills you to get back. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah, cause it's, it's something that, cause I, I feel really kind of energized or balanced just with like my sort of daily routine, but yeah, like the travel to and from and being there and like, it's so like, I don't know, like it's, you know, you're doing so much in a short amount of time. Yeah. It just sort of, is like upsetting to the usual routine. And then it's just like, you get back and it's like, Oh man, I just gotta like, I gotta sleep and just like try and process everything that happened. And um, I know. And I think it's harder for, um, I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably not a real extrovert or introvert. I'm probably an, an ambivert, but cause I can function either way, but I'm probably more introverted. And so after all of that stuff, I'm just like, I, I just need to go peel into myself. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I was like a little bit behind on all my, uh, all my shows. So I just was like, um, yeah, catching up on all that. So that was very similarly. I kind of needed to just like sit in, you know, sit in my place alone and just watch all my stuff just to be like, you know, cause I was just thinking about that. Like, Oh, I could just go back and just like have some coffee and watch all my shows. So well, I always take, I, I've learned, and, and maybe this will be, you know, as you get older in your career, you learn that you don't have to do it all of these things. And so I always make time to, like, just be while I'm there. And I, I find that it's, it, I'm much happier in the end to, 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 like, I don't try to, you know, when I was younger, I tried to go to every session and take advantage of every minute and then i'm like no you know like that just kills me i can't do that <laughs> yeah yeah i definitely wanted to like explore tampa when i was there because i've never been to tampa nor have i been to florida um oh. so it was really cool just to like walk around the downtown area there and do all that yeah because it, it's too much pressure to put on yourself because you're gonna you're gonna miss something or just be like even more so tired because you're gonna be tired anyway so it's like well just make sure you relax a little bit and enjoy yeah. it and, yeah. yeah um yeah, so good little bit of advice right here in the beginning. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so we'll just go ahead and dive right in. But um, so Stacy, appreciate you uh, jumping on for the podcast here. But as we always do, we will start off with you uh, giving your introduction and uh, how you got to be where you are today. Well, that's a really long story, but hi, my name is Stacy Jacob, and I'm an assistant professor of student affairs and higher education at Slippery Rock University of Pennsylvania. And um, I actually started my career in college admission. And um, through a series of, like I know some people um, enter the field of student affairs and they really, really know what they want to do. And um, I entered like most people as kind of a, Someone in my undergrad saying to me, you know, you'd be really good at this because I had been a tour guide in undergrad. And and so I started there and um, then through a series of just kind of following my heart and, and trying different things, ended up um, 
going to graduate school at the University of New Orleans for mm -hmm. my master's degree. Um, went back to admissions, and as I was leaving um, UNO, I had written a master's thesis, and so I I said to my um, to my thesis advisor, you know, maybe someday I'd like to be a professor, and that was kind of my first thought about that. And um, and a few years later, it went ended up going. Um, to get my PhD at Indiana University and just made it my business to say yes to everything while I was there because I went when I was fairly young compared to most of my classmates mm -hmm. and ended up working in a lot of different functional areas and and sort of had forgotten about the professoriate and then um, at the end sort of rediscovered that I had been teaching in a student academic center at Indiana and um, and and you know, then I had a friend who kind of said, you know, you're really good at this. Maybe you should be a professor. And and it turned out that all of that exploring was really good because it makes me a really good generalist for students who are studying student affairs. So that's the short version of my path. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I saw, too, you do, you've sort of um, moved in a lot of different regions of the country. Did you just sort of um, go where the wind took you sort of thing? Or did, like, did something pull you to those different areas? Yeah, I really, I, I really, kind of a and this really relates to what we're going to talk about in some ways but I have an adventuresome spirit and kind of an open heart and so I really whenever it's time you know you always in um when you're in a job you come to these places where you know you're too comfortable and it's time to grow and move on and so I've always approached those um those decision making processes as a time to really just explore and go and and be open to the possibilities, and that has taken me a lot of different places, which is great. And um, I didn't get married until I was like 36, and so it was really easy for me to move, move around. But luckily, mm. I, I married a partner who is um, he's he's easy to export because he's a computer guy. So and he has an adventuresome <laughs> spirit, and he'll go with me. So it's been pretty good. Yeah, and that all works out. That's great. <laughs> um, <laughs> So it, yeah, well, just to kind of jump right in, because this is a uh, was a really interesting topic. This sort of was, I guess, kind of serendipitous of how it uh, came upon me um, from one of our previous episodes about uh, with Brittany uh, about geeks and nerds and all that kind of stuff, and sort of the gamification thing came up on uh, Twitter, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just it's sort of just interesting and fascinating to me of how it sort of applies to uh, higher ed stuff. So um, I would just start off just to make sure everybody's on the same page of sort of um, if it's a formal definition or just your definition, um, what is gamification just in the broadest sense? Yeah, in the broadest sense, it's taking, well, I, I'm going to talk about it. it. You know, it's it's taking something that we do in everyday day life and making a game out of it or pulling elements of games into um, something that you do. And, and I started this because my husband had seen Jesse Shell do this um, TED Talk, which is on my resource page that I gave you. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how everything's a game now, like Weight Watchers and, you know, all these things. And, and then he talked about this fella, Lee Sheldon, who's a professor who was gamifying a class. And, um, and so it's the idea that you take elements of, and they can be any games, like I use elements from board games, from role-playing games, from video games, um, and I have made a course of mine, I've actually done it with two different courses, one at a previous institution and one here at Slippery Rock, and make them a game. So. Um, and, you know, and something that's really important for me to emphasize is 
that you can be a novice gamer and do this because I love board games. I grew up loving board games. My sister and I used to play Payday for hours on end and mm-hmm. and all these other board games. But I was never a role player role playing game and I'm not really a video gamer because I don't have hand eye coordination. Um, but there are many gamers out in the world and so if you don't know about it, enter their world and talk to them and they will help you figure it out. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I've been uh, actually just put a blog post out recently about it. I've just uh, I grew up with video games and I, I've played them in my entire life. And more recently, I've kind of gotten more into uh, board games just as something to sort of bring friends together and stuff. But um, yeah, there's so much in there that's like it's ripe with so much different kind of information, which is sort of easy to convey in like simple terms if people are curious. So I definitely do encourage people to um, reach out to the gamers in their lives. I'm sure there are many of them out there. Talk to your geek and nerd friends. Yes. Yes. We want to talk about these things that are, we're so passionate about. Um, so you, you kind of talked about, you know, you've incorporated it into, um, some of the courses that you teach that are, you know, in higher ed programs, um, so what are just uh, some examples of the ways that you um, have implemented it? Maybe if you even if we want to kind of tease out um, some of the things that you've thought about that sort of makes sense and uh, maybe you're looking forward to implementing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, well, I'll talk about my current class. I've done this with the History of Higher Ed class. And another reference that I gave you is um, Lee Sheldon's book, The Multiplayer Classroom. And I actually mm-hmm. have a case history in that book, a little, a little um, chapter in there about the higher ed history class and it was like the first or second time I had done it so that's a really early implementation and you know if if people wanted to read that and then listen to this they could kind of see how I've evolved since then but um, currently I've done um, I'm I'm doing it in um, an organizational behavior in higher education class which seems really perfect for gamification because when you think about organizations and how they behave they can be somewhat game-like in many ways um so if you think of like bowman and deal's political frame and how people can operate very politically in an organization or those kinds of things um or if you think of a political model from Birnbaum's standpoint Mm -hmm. uh, it really fits well in that um so what i've done is that course is a game within a game. And so when students get, well, it's actually a game with games in it. So when students come in on the first day, I hand them the syllabus that looks like no syllabus they've ever seen. It's, um, it's basically a metaphor about how they're going to explore higher education on this other planet and we've got to figure it out together. And so one of the really important things I think about gamification is um, metaphor and story. So you have to kind of learn to be a storyteller to get people into the world of it a little bit. Um, and then when you look at my syllabus, um, they, I, on the very first day, I have students do avatars, which we do these, I have like these um, people cutouts, and they get to draw themselves in any way, because like in video games, you can be whoever you want. If you want to have purple hair, that's cool. Right. You know, and so I let them draw themselves and um, represent themselves for the game however they like. And um, I have experimented with um, letting people like take on whatever name they are. They want to be like if they want to be, you know, super Stacy or whatever. But that hasn't worked out really well because um, I work in a small program. And by the time that we, they take this class with me, I know them so well, it's it's hard to call them by another name. But, <laughs> 
Um, but that is something you could do. So they draw their avatars and we get into the course and our first discussion is how do you think organizations are like games? And we talk about that a little bit. And then I introduce this, the syllabus, which when you get into it, I have quests rather than assignments. And there's major quests, minor quests, um, discussion quests, side quests, all these things like you would have in a role playing game. And you get to choose what combination of quests you have to do. There are certain things that are required, but for the most part, like in a video game where you sort of choose your own adventure, like you can go to the left or the right or the forward or whatever, you choose your own quest. And, um, and you have to figure out how you're going to um, earn enough experience points in the class to get the grade that you want. And so each quest has experience points attached to it. Um, all of my major assignments have a component of revision, um, and that's based on, um, in video games, if you die, you just start over, right? right. And you keep learning, because, you know, I don't know how to get Zelda over here and do this or what have you. So I just start over and I keep learning and learning and learning. So um, I wish I could let them start over several times, but the grading would be way too onerous on me, but they at least get one revision out of it. And they, so they can, any of the quests, they do that are major quest, they can revise it for half of the points they missed. Um, because really, if you think about the true spirit of learning, it's it shouldn't be about grades. I mean, we've made it into grades in higher ed, and that's sort of sad for most of us who instruct, but it should be about the process of learning. And so um, actually having this place where you can die and start over a little is, I find it's it really opens up students to the process of learning. And my students also say over and over and over that they love that they have choice. And, and when you look at all of the assignments in the course, they all do the same things basically and help work on the same kind of skills or competencies or learning activities. Um, you can just do them in a way that's meaningful to you, which is kind of cool, I think. And then the other thing that's um, that's that's interesting is I do um, in my discussions I have these coins, and so when you talk in class you get coins for saying good things, and those coins, you know, like a gold, three gold or three green coins equals a purple coin, and three purple coins equals a gold coin, and when you trade up coins, um, you get more points than what the original coins were worth and so it encourages you to participate and then the the final thing that I think is really cool that's worked really well is I have awards in the classes and so I um, at the end of each class I give a student a special award for something that happened in that class today so one of my example awards is and I and I give them little plastic like I ate a lot of Happy Meals basically to get these um, <laughs> plastic stuff. Um, so one of them is Little Red Riding Hood. And the first person on the first day when I throw out the class, how is Harry, how is Harry Ed like a game? When I throw out that question to the class, the first person that answers, they get Little Red Riding Hood. Because I think a skill in class is being brave enough to be the first person to try. Um, and so I have all these little symbolic awards that mean different things for being willing to make mistakes, for 
um, you know, all kinds of different stuff. So I have all these little plastic things that I give out. And then at the end of the class, I also have, and, these, and all these things count towards um, their experience points and students leveling up to a better grade. Mm-hmm. I also give students a certain amount of tokens that they can give to others in class. So they can say, um, well, Brittany, who you talked to was in my class. So a student could say, Brittany, when you talked about X, Y, and Z in class, that really helped my understanding of the concept of why. So I'm gonna give you this award. And it's worth points towards their final grade. And so they, each student gets um, a set of those they can give out over the semester. And it's a really powerful, powerful thing for your classmates to recognize um, the hard work that you're doing in class. Um, So those are some of the elements that I have in there. Oh, and then at the end of each class, I give out badges because in like video games, you earn badges. And so I have something symbolic that's a sticker that you can stick on your avatar to arm your avatar to show the knowledge that you have earned in the class. Um, And then the other one little fun element that's really cool is every week I charge a student group with um, making a game. So I role model the first game and the first game is about garbage can decision making and it's a dice game that I invented and that we roll dice out of actual like tiny little garbage cans and talk about garbage can decision making. And then every week, a different group, whatever the topic that comes up, they have to make a game. And so we talk about the topic for half of the class, and then we play a game that someone in the class, that a few students have invented. And that's basically where I am right now with it. That's some interesting stuff. I mean, it's some of the big things that um, I sort of like heard from that and sort of took away from that. I think there's the one element of uh, choice for students, because there's a lot of great you know, I, I have a little more wheelhouse, I guess, in uh, video games and stuff, but just like open world games where you kind of choose how you do what you want to do in those um, in those games and stuff. And having that sort of apply into your class and stuff is really interesting. Um, and then I think the other big takeaway of just like, because I know people just love the fur, like, and it's incorporated into a lot of different things is sort of the like achievements, the trophies, the badges, and then kind of earning those for things that you do well. And um, and I like I like the idea too of almost sort of like you can like give uh, you know one of those to somebody else for doing something well because it really does take it to a different level. And I think some things like some websites or apps or different things like they can kind of they do certain things like that or um, it really is like you you get them for you know leaving good reviews or something or you know helping other people. So um, yeah, that's interesting stuff. So I guess just to, even just to capture and just like kind of really like condense it to really capture the the positive benefits in, in your head what's sort of the before and after of you doing game of you know gamifying your courses and stuff like what has it given you sort of concretely that you can see sort of just from the what it was before to what it is now well here's the thing here's the biggest thing there's a place in the semester and i don't know how to describe it and and maybe someday i'll have some time to like research or think about this um more specifically but there's a place in the course where at the very beginning you want the stuff because you want the stuff you know Mm -hmm. it's in extrinsic motivation you want the gold coin you want the junk you want the little plastic toys that i'm handing (laughs) out so you behave in a way to get those right and then somewhere in the middle of the semester and i've talked to a lot of my students about this that 
motivation turns and it becomes very intrinsic. And there's something about, I don't know, the fun of this class or the idea, I don't know, because it just, it sort of flips people on their end and they kind of forget that they're in a class in some ways mm -hmm. because we have such a joyous time and it becomes all about the learning. And I mean, I just, I don't know, students like work harder than they do for me in other classes. They, and, it, and it's not about the plastic toys anymore at a certain point. Um, because, you know, some days I forget to give out the coins and we all forget about it. And then I'm like, oh, I got to give you some coins because then your grade won't work out at the end of the semester kind of thing. Right. You know, like, you talk today and they're like, oh, yeah, we have to kind of rehash so I can do that because we get so involved in the moment of playing these games for our learning. And, and that's what to me is just absolutely fantastic. I mean, I, I, I'm a very present person in my classroom. It's where I feel like I'm, I'm at my best self as when, in my classroom, but this allows me to be more present than I ever have. It allows just the joy of teaching and learning to take over instead of the fear of it. Because I think that, anything that you're trying to learn, there's an element of fear in it. Like, am I going to succeed? Am I going to do well? Do I, I, I probably have to look stupid to get competent at it. And for some reason, because of this, all this crazy little stuff going on, people sort of get that sort of washes away and we just get to enjoy the good part about learning, which is, you know, it's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a huge benefit. That's a, yeah. that's a big one. Um, you gave a lot of different ways that you're currently doing this, but maybe stuff that you've seen other people do or um, anything else as you sort of, um, sort of wrap things up. Just how can other people integrate this? Because I think some people might be like, oh, that's cool and all, but I don't know how I could ever do anything like that. Um, yeah. What would you sort of, how would you guess maybe push somebody over the edge to say, look, well, you could do X, Y, Z, you know, like what would you sort of recommend for folks maybe just to, to dip their feet in? And what I would say is like, you kind of have to go at it wholeheartedly because after I had done my first class and then I moved to Slippery Rock, I tried um, integrating one element of it in my class, which was the tokens um, for speaking. Mm. And the students didn't like it at all. I mean, not at all because it didn't have any purpose, you know? So whatever you integrate, it sort of has to have a purpose and a reason. And because I had built this metaphor and I have now for that class, there's a purpose behind why you're getting these tokens because you're trying to help, um, you know, learn a lot, save the planet for education, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and that falls away. That metaphor really falls away pretty quickly, but there's a purpose and there's a whole, there's a whole point system that kind of is important. So you have to really, think it through. It's, I don't know that there's one little piece that you could put. I, I mean, I think you could put in one piece, but you have to sort of take your class, blow it up and think about it in a different way. And it is really hard and it is really time consuming, but the benefit of it is, you know, I'll regrade those papers again because of what's happening in my classroom and it's, and it's lovely. So I, I just think that if you're, if you're interested in doing this, you just sort of have to like be experimental, be willing to try it, which I said earlier that, you know, this kind of open heart heartedness and, and willingness to experiment that I have 
works really well for this. And so you have to, I think you have to be a person who says, you know what, it's okay if I fail a little while I'm the pro, because my first iteration of this was not good. And I mean, there were some good parts of it, but overall it did not work the way that it works now. Um, and so you have to be a little bit um, okay with failure, be a little bit okay with experimentation and not kind of knowing what the outcome it, it come is, which I guess in many ways is not like a good selling point, right? <laughs> Well, no, that's a good way. Like the reality of it, I guess, is that you sort of need to, you know, be open to the the whole concept of it because it, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just good advice, I guess, just to know that you sort of have to kind of go all in on it and not just, you know, kind of, kind of whimper into it. You know, it's it's a concept that kind of warrants a full commitment because I think it, it all sort of feeds off each other, like you were saying. So, but the um, great thing is, is like when I started doing this, it was an idea that was out in the world and I knew one person who was doing it who sent me a syllabus and then I just talked to a lot of gamers and I was like okay so here's my class what do I need in it and you know and I just I talked to a lot of people and got to know a lot of people who were really great gamers and they helped me develop all these things um but now there's really great resources out there Sheldon's book is great um there's some folks at Michigan who are developing a, a web plugin to go with um, learning management systems where you can keep track of badges and av- for avatars and things like that um, and awards and those kinds of things. And I'm really excited for them because I've been hand doing that this whole time. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's people who are into it now. And I think if you start to follow some of those resources um, that I wrote down for you, I think you could get into the idea and figure it out, figure it out. And, you know, I, I think it's cool. So, you know, you could contact me and I'd be willing to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll have all the, um, all like our resources in the, in the show notes for sure. If you want to, um, anybody who's listening, just kind of do your homework and kind of take some notes and read some books and stuff. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely just a, it's a fascinating concept because I think it is, it's a thing that, you know, there's a lot of people out there that talk about how, you know, if you've time traveled back into like the early 1900s and saw a college classroom and then blasted to the future, like, you'd be like, oh, I'm in like the same place. It looks exactly the same. It's just rows of seat, people looking, you know, looking at the professor, kind of lecturing at you. And this at least kind of tinkers with that a little bit of just like, like, yeah, I'm still conveying into information to you as the professor, but sort of the, you know, the environment or the, you know, yeah, like the, and having that syllabus is sort of like the map, you know, that sort of looks a little bit different. Um, you know, the, the, is that this has allowed, um, my students are more participatory. So they tend to bring in, like they become the professor almost, which is really the goal of educating, you know, a master's degree, you're becoming a master of right student affairs stuff. And so, um, so I, I get to be the person on the side who kind of helps them and, and that's what good teaching should be, right? And they're mastering this content and bringing stuff in because they get motivated motivated by this, um, by all these odd little things we're doing in the classroom. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's, that's definitely a, that's a neat way to look at it. Just kind of, you know, like you're saying, because like how they make their own games to help sort of teach each other and those kind of things. It's, um, yeah, because I, I uh, you know, in a... Uh, in a past life, I was a history education major in undergrad, and I remember just kind of talking about that kind of stuff where it's like scaffolding is sort of like the term where you're sort of helping, you know, build up knowledge and whatnot, and you're sort of just there as being that scaffolding, that support so that they can kind of grow up them, 
uh, on their own and stuff. So, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we, we I got a lot of the resources. And stuff. I don't know if you already sort of highlighted some of the the key literature and stuff that you wanted to uh, make sure people knew about, but um, just anything else that you want to sort of just give a little um, kind of shout out to on the resources side yeah, of things. Um, Jesse Shell, who is, he's a professor at Carnegie Mellon here in Pittsburgh where I live and I've never gotten to meet him. I need to send him an email someday <laughs> perhaps. Um, he has this, these, this lovely little book that's the art of game design and then he has this deck of cards and the cards are really cool because you can kind of design a game or design a class and then play. He has different ways you can play with the cards mm -hmm. and the cards are all elements of good game design. So like I'm just, I just pulled card number 49 here and it says the, the lens of visible progress. And then it says the players need to see that they are making progress when solving diff a difficult problem. Make sure they're getting this feedback. Ask yourself these questions and it gives you these questions. So once you've de designed your game or your, you know, your syllabus, you could use this deck of cards to kind of as a check. Um, to make sure, and there's a hundred of them, so you couldn't possibly check all of them. And so that's why he has kind of a game way that you could go about it. But you could use this deck of cards to check that you have elements of good game design, which I think is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, that's a good shout out. Um, yeah. And as we always do, we'll sort of just wrap up um, in pure essay chat fashion. Um, just whatever sort of final thought you have about this is sort of... Um, really kind of bring it home, sell it to folks, and just kind of wrap everything up with a nice little bow. All right, let's see. Bring it home, wrap it up. Big. Um, well, let's let's stay since since Brittany, my student, inspired this with her nerds and geek. Let's stay let's stay in that realm. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to use a split infinitive. Um, I know it is, but you should all go boldly go here, right? Um, and uh, try it um, because I think there's lots of ways that you could you could really inspire students, motivate them. And I think it's really great. And I think it's also very in line with the ethos of our profession in student affairs. I think that, um, you know, to help students understand how to be motivated by their own learner learning and become lifelong learners and, and to see ways that may not be um, particularly, you know, class ways of learning, um, is kind of is kind of right in line with the ethos of our profession. So, um, and you'll have a great time. Do you want to have the best time of your life teaching? Try making your class a game. You will be excited to go to class every week, <laughs> and so will your students. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's uh, the best selling point I could think of right there. If you want to be excited for class every single week, have your students be excited, then definitely check this out. And um, Stacy, thank you so much for taking some time out to chat about this. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Hey, whoa, don't turn off the episode just yet. We have the second act with Dave Eng here. Uh, he's going to talk about his applications and his student affairs work uh, implementing the concept here of gamification. Uh, so stay tuned for act two with Dave Eng. So yeah, we'll start as we always do when we just have you uh, introduce yourself and how you got to be where you are today. Sure. Uh, well, my name is Dave Eng. I am the Director of Student Activities here at St. Thomas Aquinas College. Uh, I've been working student affairs for several years now, so I guess since 2007 when I uh, first went back to grad school. Um, my student affairs story is I went to the University of Hartford in Connecticut, and uh, my, my involvement really was in um, like four major areas. I was um, president of my fraternity. I, I started an improv comedy group on campus. 
Uh, I worked for the student union as their uh, building manager staff, and also I was a red cap or orientation leader. Uh, and I enjoyed all of those experiences, and it was something that I, uh, that really connected me to my college. Uh, and after I graduated, I graduated with a degree in communications and advertising. And I, uh, I did not know what I wanted to do at that point. So basically, I just moved to New York. Uh, I started working in advertising for a while. It was um, all right, but it wasn't my it wasn't something I wanted to do. Uh, and then one of my colleagues, uh, Stacy Ripke, recommended me to the, um, the master's program at NYU in student affairs. And uh, the rest is history. I'm just glad that uh, I was able to find a, a career field that I really, really enjoy. Nice. Um, uh, and sort of what we, we want to focus on, I guess, is something that, um, correct me if I'm wrong, is sort of like a, a recent sort of uh, area of exploration for you. We sort of like dived into it uh, fairly recently, um, is the idea of gamification, sort of applying it into student affairs. So um, just before we get into what you're doing currently with that, um, just so everybody understands um, if it's sort of your own working definition or sort of a uh, you know, dictionary definition of it or whatever, um, what is gamification as a concept on its own? Uh, so gamification uh, at its very basic definition is the use of uh, game elements in a non-game setting. So a lot of those game elements we already see today. Uh, so one of them is credit card rewards. So mm -hmm. whenever you use a credit card, it kind of incentivizes you to use it more in order to earn those points. Um, something like Fitbit or Foursquare or Swarm gives you badges for achievements. So the most number of steps in the day, the most stairs you've climbed, the most calories you burn. And, uh, and the last one is just um, leaderboards. Leaderboards are one of the most common gamified elements. Uh, and people, anyone really who works in sales will tell you that uh, competition can be a great motivator and having a leaderboard to show you where you rank. So again, gamification is to use a game elements in a non-game setting. Um, and we, there, a lot of those elements kind of exist today uh, in different forms. Very cool. Um, so yeah, you've taken this uh, very unique concept and um, started to apply it into your student affairs work. So sort of, why um, don't you just highlight, I guess, what you've done to sort of implement this into uh, your everyday work? Uh, so how I applied it, gamification in my student affairs work, uh, a couple of different areas. So since I work in student activities, um, two of my main areas are student programming on campus and also um, leadership development. So in, my, uh, in one of my leadership development areas, I have a staff uh, called the Primes, which do a lot of programming for me. Uh, and I always have a training for them every year. It's, um, it's about a week long. Uh, I make it very experiential, so it's a, a lot of hands-on training. Uh, and this past year, I gamified it using classroom in order to incentivize them to do different parts of the training um, in order to complete it for their own kind of like education. Uh, one of it was uh, we had ours in Washington, D.C., so it was to um, find a memorial, learn a little bit more about it, and lead our group on a tour of that memorial, like a little bit of the history, how to get there, how to get back, um, because that was kind of their, um, uh, that would be kind of their responsibilities working as a prime staff. And the way I incentivized that was I had different achievements, so they could earn different badges for being the first person to do all achievements on the National Mall, or all of the monuments, um, uh, all of the monuments surrounding the, the Smithsonian, or uh, we went to the Smithsonian Air and Space Museum, they got an achievement for visiting each of the major attractions and exhibits there. Uh, and in, in another area that I was using gamification for was in my um, leadership development course, where I had students earn different badges um, for different sessions they would complete. So um, uh, one course was on servant leadership. So I had a badge called You're No Mahatma, 
with a little little cartoon of Mahatma Gandhi talking about servant leadership. Uh, I had another badge about um, uh, enticingly extroverted. So it was about the um, MBTI test, Myers-Briggs type indicator, mm -hmm. uh, in which students would earn the badge by attending that session. And so it was little incentives that, that really push intrinsic motivation, which is um, individuals' desires to do something, an activity, because it is personally fulfilling. Gotcha. Um, and I guess just, I don't know if you had done things prior and then put gamification in and saw sort of benefits afterwards. So like what, what are sort of the benefits, I guess, or like why would somebody put the effort in to do this in the first place? Um, well, I think one of the best, like, uh, one of the, the best efficient benefits of gamification is that you don't have to invest a lot of time and most importantly money right now advising certain practices. Gamification, like I said before, really prioritizes intrinsic motivation. So people will begin to do things because they find it they find it fun or they find it interesting. It's not something that they have to be compensated for in order to do. Um, I know that with extrinsic motivation, those are uh, those are the reasons you do something you benefits uh, from it personally. So you either receive a salary or you receive benefits or you, you get a stipend or you get academic credit. Uh, gamification really prioritizes the fact that you can incentivize people to do things that they normally wouldn't do by using game-like elements like points, badges, and leaderboards. Uh, so I would say um, it works best in practices when you are trying to encourage students to become more involved, uh, to participate in a leadership se series, or to overall make the most out of their student experience um, by, I, I guess, kind of taking that same experience and looking at it through a different lens. And in this case, it's in a gamified lens. Um, so just how you would sort of, um, you know, you, you see that you've kind of talked about the value of it and, you know, you understand it um, and sort of why someone would do it in the first place. What would be some advice, I guess, for people um, and maybe even kind of go into the next thing I want to talk about it with like resources. Yeah, just any uh, just any advice or any, you know, like resources for somebody to start to implement this so they understand why they would want to do it. Um, now talk about, I guess, the how and maybe something that would be helpful to read or strategies or tools. Sure. Uh, so there are a lot of great resources available. I would say one of the best resources that I found was it was a free course offered through Coursera called Gamification. Uh, it was presented by Professor Kevin Werbeck, who is a professor down at the University of Pennsylvania, um, who's really been researching and teaching about this area before. Uh, he wrote a book called um, Gamification, um, uh, oh no, For the Win, Gamification for Your Business. It's available on Amazon. It's about, it's under $10, but it basically lays out step by step by step how to set up a gamified system. Uh, if you have the time, I really suggest you take the course. Again, it's on Coursera and it's free. Um, I believe it's offered every three or so, three months or so. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't have the time to take the course, I highly suggest you pick up the book uh, and read that because it'll provide you um, some of the history and background on, on gamification and really how to start implementing it uh, in your day-to-day -day operations. Nice. Um, so yeah, we'll definitely include all this stuff uh, in the show notes. Um, and have you had to do any sort of, cause like I said, it's a low cost way. You're not paying people, you know, stipends or salaries or any other thing to motivate them. It's a different motivation strategy. Have you had to sort of defend it or sell it to other people? And how, how is that process? Maybe if you've had to do that? Mm, no, you know, actually I haven't had to really defend it, um, to other people. Uh, selling it is a little bit of a, uh, of a sticking point because it's not necessarily something that takes up more resources in order to do. I guess if anything, it's more of a time and um, a time commitment up front in order to set up a gamified system. Mm -hmm. um, really, the, the challenging part is trying to sell it to your user base. So I guess in this case, it would be your group of students. But 
I mean, with the prevalence of mobile and online games right now, um, students seeing a gamified system aren't really surprised by it anymore. If anything, they are, they are already acclimated to um, a gamified system and situation, and they kind of know of how to act and how the system incentivizes them to do things. And if you do have power users, those are the, going to be the people that are going to try to get the most out of it. Um, but again, students and users kind of run the whole gamut, so they're going to be people that use your system a lot, some people that may not use it at all, and then they're going to be the people in the middle who are the ones you should really be targeting who may not use your system to begin with, but because it is gamified, they're incentivized to do so. Right. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, it's sort of a similar, I think, metaphor, I guess, of, um, you know, the students that you'd want to try and motivate is that, like, sometimes there's the students that are just never going to get uh, motivated or inspired to do anything. Some of the students that you can't help but have be really engaged and really excited, and you want to uh, motivate those students who are in the middle in terms of their engagement who... Um, you know, need something to sort of incentivize it or sort of make it fun or um, anything like that. So it's like, you know, yeah, you have to sort of sell it. And, you know, if a lot of other students are using it, they want to use it and um, providing good uh, value and incentives for um, doing the stuff that you want them to do. If it's, you know, for a leadership program, attending the right sessions or attending whatever sessions they want, they sort of get the cool, unique badges for those. Um, and I guess just to explore a little bit further what you're doing, so I... Um, Remember, you mentioned it before. You, for the badges that you give people, you actually literally give them like a uh, an actual badge, like an actual thing, versus like doing it on a on a website or something or something virtual. Like you actually give them something, mm -hmm. correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, you don't have to actually use a digital system in order to gamify things. I know that Dr. Jacobs over at the Slippery Rock University uses more of um, a non-digital format. I would say almost like a tabletop format. Uh, I also just want to emphasize it does not need to be digital. And some of the work I do right now is gamification-based, but also some of it is just games-based, so just using traditional games in order to promote learning. Um, and if you are a game player already, you can see a lot of those systems that gamification uses in order to promote those behaviors. So I don't want to put anyone off. It does not need to be digital. Um, but if you do already play games in whatever format, that will definitely help. Mm. Yeah. So um, I think that's what uh, was mentioned before when um, I was talking to Stacey was sort of like, go reach out to the gamers in your life and they can teach you something about what they sort of learn or the, the ways that are best for their, uh, to them and from their perspective and their experience to sort of engage people with good systems and stuff. Because I think um, certain apps and tools and games and things to do it uh, better than others and how they sort of reward uh, different behaviors and stuff. So, um, and just as we sort of wrap up everything, um, you know, what's your, your one final thought, your final kind of selling point to get people uh, interested and engaged and looking to include uh, gamification and whatever sort of work they do uh, in student affairs? Uh, so I think that um, gamification will never be a silver bullet. And I think that a lot of people in education and in um, uh, our industry are looking for like, what is that one thing that we can get students in order to engage them in the services and programs that we offer. Uh, but I, I, I always point out there's no, one, there's no one thing that'll solve that. It's gonna be always an amalgamation of things, whether they be your institution, your personal practice, um, any relation you have to a professional organization, and also um, you know, programs that you're comfortable in doing. So my, my one piece of advice would be if you're comfortable using gamification, um, learn a little bit more about it and try. Uh, part of a games-based learning process of gamification is an activity loop. And in that activity loop, it gives people an opportunity to experiment 
and fail and also try again to see if they can succeed in the future. Uh, so like I think like with any other practice, it's something that you just kind of try through iterative steps. And if it works, then you continue doing it. And if it doesn't, maybe you retool it a little bit. Um, but I just think it's a fascinating process. It's something that uh, combines a lot of different disciplines like education, sociology, psychology, economics. Uh, and that's kind of what really attracted me to it. And I think that it's something that is just burgeoning in the field right now. And I think we'll get larger and larger as more and more people are attracted to it and start using it in the practice. Absolutely. Um, so always good advice Sort of uh, moderation is key. You don't want to just like stuff it into everything haphazardly and expect it to just, yeah, like I said, be the silver bullet and kind of the cure all for, for all the, all the woes that people experience. But um, yeah, it's definitely a cool concept and something that sort of intrigued me as something that's a little bit, a little bit different. Um, and yeah, and we'll have uh, some of the stuff that we mentioned uh, in this episode, in the show notes and, um, yeah, just appreciate you taking a few minutes to, to chat about this stuff. And um, I think it'll be a really cool, comprehensive uh, sort of base for this as we have uh, you talking about it and Stacy. Um, so there's going to be a lot of good stuff in this. And um, yeah, just appreciate you taking a few minutes for this. Thanks, Dustin. I appreciate it. Like I said, I'm a big fan of the show. So I listen to this every time there's a new episode on my drive to work. And uh, I'm just honored I got the, I was asked to be on it. <laughs> yes, very cool. Um, always great to hear. Uh, kind words from fans. So um, appreciate you listening and everybody else out there listening. Um, and Dave, I will uh, talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Dustin. Have a good one. Thank you so very, very much for listening to this awesome episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. Now, we'd appreciate it if you click on over to the iTunes store and leave us a rating and review for this podcast. It helps us reach a wider audience and helps more people hear all the awesome things we talk about every single week. So we really appreciate it. Just leave a rating review and we will see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.